Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, Sitting here with Ziggy Rodriguez. That's me. And we also, sitting in for Thomas Patrick Dorian, we have uh, a wonderful guest. Uh, it is Joe, um, son of Thordar. <laughs> that's, your, that's, your, that's your Tolkien name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe Thorderson is here. Uh, he is uh, uh, he's part of Geek Tank Radio and Tool Talk Radio, two really fun, cool podcast radio programs. You can find those on Spotify if you're interested. Uh, and also, he, he's been running the Memphis Comic and Fantasy Convention for like a dozen years or so. Yeah, well, technically, it's our 13th year. We had to skip a year for COVID. So yeah, didn't we all skip a year for COVID? Yeah. yeah, but yeah. even so. And, you know, I think when you started, you didn't have all that gray hair. But now you really don't even have much hair at all. Had a so. full head. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's I look okay. like Tom. But I it's know. worth the effort because that's a really, <laughs> really cool thing. Uh, and we brought you in for this three-part series that we're doing, and this is the third and final installment. Maybe there'll be some more stuff in the future, because there's always going to be more Star Wars movies and, and more uh, Marvel stuff and DC stuff and superheroes and all that geeky stuff. Well, I'd love to get the. I'd love to to go down the rabbit hole talking about uh, the morality of Batman. That might be cool. Oh, a very Batman advent, perhaps. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> something, something like that might be exciting. I can hear all of the church ladies now getting really, really vibed about that thing right now because oh, they, yeah. they, they secretly they like Batman. Oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, all that aside, uh, we're t- we're talking about uh, Tolkien and his. Uh, uh, Christian uh, imagery uh, and storylines, uh, specifically some Catholic stuff that's that's happening. And we've gotten two uh, we've recorded two shows thus far: uh, uh, Tolkien on heroism and Tolkien on attachment and evil. Uh, and now we're going to do this third one, uh, which we love because this particular third topic uh, is is going to be landing on the the a, a beautiful solemnity in yes. the Catholic faith. Uh, and it's one of those things that, like, it just kind of happened that way with the schedule. But the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about Tolkien on monarchism, right, and Christ yeah. the King. So uh, that should be an interesting discussion. And so that's why we brought uh, Joe in, because we we don't know anything. This is true. Yeah, he, well, he knows a lot more than we do. <laughs> You're putting a lot more pressure on me. I, I know. Mean, I want you to – I want we're, we're tripling down now. Okay. And, uh, but, no, but in all fairness, you have – some friends who uh, who also you know if you speak uh, heresy or Tolkien heresy, right. they'll let you know. Right? Yeah. They'll they'll put you on the griddle. Yeah, for exactly. That. Yeah, so, so I that's okay. Go- govern my tongue, sir. We'll, so, yeah. we'll, we'll try and catch you. I don't know if I will. I'll you know I like to you know teeter over there on that heresy line with Tolkien and see what happens. You know. <laughs> Oh, if you get emails from his friends, we'll definitely blame Joe. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it was that son of Thordar. Right. <laughs> um, so all that said, uh, here we are on uh, this wonderful solemnity. And, and we're all, I mean, I think as Catholics, we're very familiar with this particular solemnity. Um, if not only just for the fact that it's the last Sunday in ordinary time, right? The whole liturgical year leads up to this moment. 
where we uh, we fearlessly and joyfully proclaim that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and King of the Universe. I mean, that's the coolest title ever, anyway. Oh, King yeah. of the Universe. I love when they, uh, uh, in the prayer that says, um, yeah, anything that's got the word universe in it. I oh, like, yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Catholic means universal, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the thing that's interesting, though, is, that is the phrase of Christ being king in America. I, I've literally, I've heard people raise uh, caution flags about that. Like, one person... Literally said, you know what? I think it's time that we shift away from that title. Why? Why not? I'm not kidding. He said, "Why not Christ the President? You know, <laughs> the President of the Universe." Well, huh? and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, and, and and listen, this is someone who who loves God, and he also loves this country, right? And he in, in his in his framework, King equals bad, right? And so, like, it, it, and that's in America. A lot of times, when we're taught the American Revolution, we're taught, you know, that. The movement away from monarchy is necessarily a good thing, and the movement towards democracy is necessarily a, a, a great thing. And we're not trying to necessarily get into any sort of argument for or against this kind of government versus that kind of government. But one thing that's interesting that I think that we should kind of consider for a second is that uh, democracy, as we know it, and as our founders envisioned it as they were, were framing the company, got company, my goodness country the president of the company <laughs> well some people would say our government is like a company these days yes. but, so it's right. kind of an interesting slip but it's rooted in a very pessimistic view of human nature you know i mean that was that was that was uh, a key part of a lot of what our founders were doing saying gosh we we've got, we have a lot of broken messed up people and they have to figure out how to govern one another how do you place them in check and balance with one another so that we can put everybody's self-interest to good use by making it compete, right? So that is a valid theological discussed point, right? We can discuss that and talk about that. We can argue the merits of what you just said. I can make it a lot simpler. The, The reality is we will never be able to vote in or out God. Right. Oh, right. that's so, true. Right. Yes. So there was this of little course. event. I don't know if you remember it, but yeah. it was like in the Garden of Eden, and this one thing that <laughs> happened there. That since that time, we've really been bad at voting. <laughs> we really, we've really struggled, really to to know what's best for us in a lot of ways. Right. We we seek that which is not good for us, and so it would be incumbent upon us all. It's like, well, it's time to elect a new uh, king of the universe or right. president of the universe. I'm sorry, you know. And and also, if if there was a president of the universe, I would hate to be the person that had to carry the nuclear football for Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's like you open it up and like all these uh, angels fly out and, you know, and then like thunder and lightning and all that. It'd be like the end times. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a good job to Well, me. no, but at the end of the day, though, Jesus is goodness itself, right? You can't yes. have anything better than Jesus being king and Jesus running things, right? There are good kings, right? Right, uh, you know, Saint Louis, Saint Louis, uh, and, and, and of course, good King Wenceslas. You know, right. he looked out on the feast of Stephen, right? Right. So, there, there, I've sometimes wondered what it would be like, and maybe I've kind of longed for the possibility having a good, benevolent king. Yeah. Right, who was is going to take care of all all of our needs and and help us and really have our best interest at heart. You know, and, and I know they're humans. Um, and and then to some degrees where you still have kings, they've been sort of stripped of their power right. in modern times, right? They, they're more ceremonial or a figurehead right. uh, representing a certain tradition and lineage, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But they do believe firmly that God put them there. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So anyway, it's an interesting concept. Um, so it's I, I'm not totally against it. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, though, there. I think we are in a time right now where, for most people, the thought of we what we're seeing in the world is corruption. We're seeing self-interested people in power misusing their power for selfish gain, right? And so, if somebody in this world seeing what people are doing with power, yeah. hear someone say, "Well, maybe a monarch would be a good idea." People, what we generally, I think, are in a state of despair about the possibility of one person being able to steward that much power in and I'm talking yes. about and I'm not talking about Christ the king at this point I'm talking about within like a political the political right. a world human, a human king I, that finds his way to the throne that's truly benevolent truly good truly you know uh, is is worthy of entrusting with that level of power and authority I think most people are just like that's impossible that's not that's a recipe for disaster you're lucky if you get one good guy like right this. well so if we had a king frodo i mean he would he demonstrated <laughs> no seriously he demonstrated that with the ring of power that he struggled with that yeah no that's true yeah so, so we as humans but anyway yeah i'm we, not eager for any kings man yeah okay, oh, no, so, no, even yeah. if they're even if they're really good the next one that comes along could undo the whole thing so, you're you're yeah. exactly right uh yeah. joe so, so the interesting conversation but we surely talk about tolkien now we're talking and about monarchism tolkien. right yeah, and but, see it in that light because at the end of the day tolkien he's not he's not trying to engage us in he's not making a political pitch necessarily right um and what he's more doing is he is casting the a vision of monarchism that is consistent with uh, today's feast day, Christ the King. And I think that we can learn a lot about what it means. We're all baptized priest, prophet, king, right? Right. So we can learn a lot about Christian, Christian kingship in that universal sense by studying Tolkien and what he had to say. Right. About I, and I think he doesn't think that Aragorn is, is like, we need to find a guy like Aragorn. To, to run the United States of America. Right. He's really helping us to see that Aragorn is really uh, leading us to Jesus Christ. Right. Right. And his his kingship. I'd vote for Aragorn. <laughs> <laughs> He's a leader. Yeah. Well, you, cool. you, you made an interesting point prior to the show that you said that Aragorn shows us what King David could have been. That's what I think. I mean, yeah. I, his greatest his greatest fear is is to uh, succumb to sin and power. Like, and he did a few times, and, and he did. And right. but I mean, I wish all our leaders felt that way. And yeah. he's brave. He's no, you know, he's he's at the front lines of. Uh, He's not asking anybody to do anything he wouldn't do or he hasn't done a hundred times over. So yeah, he's, he's humble and brave and just cool. Man. Right. He's so, the kind yeah. of guy that if if he was a if he was a general in a in an army, right. people would follow him eagerly. Mm-hmm. They'd well, think, be willing to do that. Think about what you just said though in connection with what we were talking about a second ago, right? So if his number one fear is that he's gonna he's gonna fall into temptation, right, and get corrupted himself, and that's his number one fear, then what that means is he's somebody who is going to have his own internal interior, you know, checks and balance system, and he's going to make sure that uh, he's not going to. He's going to do all that he can to make sure that he's not going to fall into those snares. And of course, again, I think a lot of people have a great deal of skepticism about people outside the Tolkien world. Right. You know, it's sort of a little bit of an escapism reading this. One, one thing, though, it's a temptation for us all because we're like, you know, you can, what do they call it? False humility, too. Yeah. It's like we can think of all the good Aragon could have done if he stepped up a little sooner and became and took his mantle as king or something. Oh, that's so, a I great mean, point. He, we, we do the same thing. We're like, well, I'm not capable of leading this group or I'm not capable of, a, you know, running the RCIA program or something. And think of... How much good you could have done if you would have? Um, okay, 
maybe I actually I, could I, do this. But having know? having seen the this uh, this wonderful trilogy, I I really never felt in any of those times that he had uh, he had really really felt tempted to do the wrong thing or uh, you know or that his humility was false. And maybe that's just you know uh, Tolkien's writings, you know, uh, and how he did that. No, I I don't think so either. I'm just saying he could have. Well, I don't know. Maybe we could have avoided a little a lot of bloodshed, but that's true. Who knows? Those orcs are pretty, you know, disposable. <laughs> one, one thing that was very subtle yet very kingly of Aragorn that I think is worth mentioning is uh, in the Return of the King, Eowyn comes to him, and it, she's seeing him leave, and she doesn't know why he's leaving. She doesn't necessarily make a positive assumption as to why he's leaving. And he could be leaving it to save his own life, right? right? And so, like, the way the argument that she gives is we all need to fight. We all need to stay here. He doesn't give her an argument as to – he doesn't explain to her what his actual mission is, which in that point is he's going to go get the army of the dead, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, and But when uh, Legolas and Gimli see that he's leaving, they know – that he's leaving for a good cause. Right. They know that he's noble, and he's leaving for to serve to, to carry out a kingly mission. And I love that. I love that he wasn't concerned about his reputation in her eyes because he was trying to serve a greater good. He didn't want to get her entangled where she felt led to also leave and follow him. Right. But then, in the end of the day, those guys he didn't even have to explain it. They're just ready. And I love. I felt like that was a very that kind is of kingly cool. moment. You yes. Know? Absolutely. So let's let's uh, let's turn to Gandalf. Okay. You know, with with uh, in relationship to Aragorn, and you know, and what I love about Aragorn is the fact that he actually. I mean, again, spoiler alert. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're going to tell you what happens. Yeah, fifteen minutes in, yeah. you give the spoiler alert. So, okay. <laughs> you know, well, you know, if you don't know now, we've already talked to. I mean, we started this series in in one talking about the end. Right. Spoiler <laughs> two. It also won an Oscar. So, oh, and we're yeah. going to have a three part series on yeah. Gone with the Wind, and we're going to tell the whole story <laughs> right uh, in that thing next. But uh, and you will give a darn. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the fact that uh, that Aragorn himself, who is kind of a Christ figure, yes, uh, in in this, and he's and he's king, and rightfully so. Uh, that he actually receives his crown. Yes, right. That that's a powerful image that he kneels down and receives uh, a crown from from uh, Gandalf. And Gandalf is a resurrection symbol. He's and and uh, he's in that way. He's also a Christ figure, and he's Christ as prophet and priest. And and he's a so Gandalf. He, he's a wizard, right? But if you look at the Tolkien mythology or lore or legendarium or whatever you want to phrase you want to use he he's more of an angel right and 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 in terms of his relationship to the god of middle earth and so in this way this is akin to to aragorn literally being crowned by an angel of god so an aragorn willingly submits to gandalf for his coronation so this this symbolizes a kingship that's under god yes yes so the king so the the human king is essentially it's it's kind of like you know, you might view uh, God the Father, uh, then a priestly father, right. you know, your own father, and, and the word father is is receiving its um, uh, its its value and its authority from God the Father. In the same way, Aragorn as king is receiving his kingship from. It makes him even more a Christ figure from from an angel of God sent by God to crown on his behalf. Aragorn. Well, and so a true king doesn't rule for his own sake, but for the good of others. And he himself is governed by something greater, God, right? And so in that capacity, there, he's a servant 
in his kingship. He's yeah. a servant to that to God who's above him, but he's also a servant to the people as well that he is in, that are entrusted to his care. And so this is, this lines up with the gospel. Like the last will be first, the first will be last. He who humbles himself will be exalted. He who exalts himself uh, will be humbled. And so, you know. We can ask ourselves again, like we're all supposed to be back. We're all baptized priest, prophet, and king, right? But we're, we're called to kingship. We're all called to kingship, right. all of us. And so are we placing ourselves under God's rule? And are, are we placing ourselves at the service of others? Because that's the mark of living out that baptismal office of being a king, right? Yeah, on the bookends, I feel like Frodo and, and Aragon are just examples of of our lives as catholics i mean that's what we're supposed to be we're supposed to be bold and humble and adventurous and brave and all of those and have hairy feet yeah exactly so (laughs) no that's that's what that's again that's what i love about uh this this particular movie trilogy and the books uh are are this way but uh, i've not read the books because I don't have enough hours in the day anymore. They're pretty long. I know they are. Get but, the audio books. But I've heard, I've heard so. people who just absolutely love these. And they'll even say, because this Lord of the Rings trilogy is my favorite uh, like movie world. Yeah. I just I, and I can walk watch it time and time again. And I've gotten the you know the 4K versions and the expanded editions and whatever. I and you know I don't always watch them in one sitting. That's what I love about them. I can sit and watch an hour, hour and a half, right. or whatever, and just I'm I'm engrossed in it. And I love that. And what I what I love about it is it's uh, what it leads me to a very um, I don't know a, a very a holy and sort of a, a view of Catholicism and what it's what it was created for and what it is and and all those things that I think are just powerful images. Uh, and for that reason, I can watch them over and over again it, as it examples. Puts you in the in the right frame of mind or the right uh, state to be spiritual, you could say. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I like Even if it's not preaching, it's just, but it is telling stories just like Jesus told stories. So. Amen. Yeah, yep. that's good. Well, and I think one thing that is, you know, we, we've talked a lot about sort of the the general uh, despair that we have, I think, as a, as, a, as a people about the possibility of a monarch, you know, really being able to step in and be like an Aragorn, you know, in real life. I will say, though, if, if, as I'm thinking through all that we've talked about, there is a universal call to holiness. We're all called to kingship. Yep. We're all called to virtue. We're all called to check our hearts interiorly, right? And and so perhaps there will be a day when, you know, the church is alive in faith once more. And you have, uh, there could, you know, a, a world full of saints where the picture, you know, because we're all called to sainthood. I mean, really, this this world that we live in, we're so used to it just being fallen and broken and just under, as as Tolkien would say, a shadow, right? Yeah, but right. In, in this case, though, like, it's not out of the, it's not outside the realm of possibility for us to have hope, right, with a capital H for a world that is just overflowing with saints and with a con- with a contagious love for Christ yeah. that it inspires others to give their life to Christ and if we lived in that world we might look at monarchism right very differently than we do right now you're not what? petitioning for becoming king, are you? Sam? You're really driving this point home. It's, I just it's noticed, good to be king. It's yeah. <laughs> yes, I just noticed that button I mean, you have on there, vote me king. Like, yeah. <laughs> interesting. But but that's an interesting little yeah. aside and joke here because it's like, 
where Aragorn was willing to to bow before the angel of God, as you kind of envisioned yeah. uh, Gandalf, and he received his king from on high, his kingship. Um, you know, there's so many of us that want to make ourselves king, right? We elect ourselves king. Oh yeah, like we 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 crown ourselves. The world and the world tries to offer us a whole lot of crowns, but if you think about it, there's only one crown that the world really has to offer that's that's truly lasting, and that's the crown of thorns. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, now my wife pronounces crayons as crowns. I'm just gonna say that now. I love you, Bess. Sorry about that. But but, but no, but the world the world offers you know, we're in the same way the world offers you know, no one deserved to wear a crown of I mean, Jesus could have showed up, he could have said, You know what, I'm gonna wear the fanciest crown, it's gonna be like twenty feet tall, it's gonna be made all of diamonds. He could have done that, and you know what? He'd be right to do that because he truly is by Except birth he wouldn't and nature. Do that. He wouldn't do that, right? Because well, at the end of the day, he uh, he poured himself out. He emptied himself, took on the form of a slave, was obedient unto death, even death of a cross. It was because of his humility that God greatly exalted him. Right? He's a suffering servant. He's a as a servant king. He's a suffering servant king, and so he. But my point in terms of that crown that we he could have used to crown himself and had every right to do instead he had the humility to let us crown him and the crown we chose for him was the crown of thorns mm. you know and the world still today for any christian uh you know we, that is the, if we if you're waiting for a crown that'll last from the world that's the only one that will last all the others are straw yeah. All the others will fade away. But if you want a lasting crown for the world, it's not going to be any different than the crown that Christ gave us, that Christ received, because we share in his kingship by our baptism. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'll I, I tell you, uh, this, the idea of crowning yourself, I mean, and we're good at, we're, you know what's so funny is we're also good at pointing at other people. At yeah. their crowns and saying that's a fake crown. Sure, and that's usually us with our fake crown saying that crown's fake over there. Right. There's a lot of crown envy going on <laughs> in the world. But you're right. The result of it is all. It's always empty. It never fulfills. I I, I think about um, you know in, in scripture you know when Jesus uh, feeds the the five thousand. Yeah. Right. They kept going on and on and on. The bread of life discourse talks about that feeding of the 5,000, and, and they keep going on and on about this food. They will not stop talking about the food. Why? Because it's satiated in a supernatural way. Right. They'd never experienced that before because they were worried about, like, the crown. Well, I, I like Taco Bell. Well, I like Kentucky Fried Chicken, whatever. But those things may taste good, and they only hint at a food that truly satiates. Right. I mean, to be, like, filled and fulfilled, that's a unique thing. And so the only crown that's ultimately going to fulfill really is linking us to the crown of thorns that Jesus wore for us. Through suffering, yes. right? Because we grow, in, we grow in virtue, we grow in holiness through suffering, right? We follow the bloody road of Calvary, and our blood joins Christ's blood, right? As we follow in our footsteps, and in his footsteps, and we kiss our crosses along with him, we accept those sufferings right. that are entrusted to our care, and that is how we are. We also come to receive that crown of thorns, yeah. And that's how we come to become purified and become more like Him. And so, you know, if there ever was a person who was going to be a monarch, who was this really holy saint of a of a monarch, right? 
that would be the path by which it would happen. It would yeah. be through great suffering and through great faith. In Catholic theology, we call it, you know, redemptive suffering. Yes. Right? Because we're tying ourselves specifically relating to Jesus in that way. And that's exactly what Aragorn was not happily doing, but doing out of duty. He seemed like he was more at peace just being on the front lines of a battle than in a, on a throne. And so rather than say at know? peace, I think at home. At home, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was. I think it was natural to him, right. and that's again why it's uh, Sam. You'd recommended that people, you know, watch this thing if they weren't familiar, if they hadn't watched this trilogy, watch it with your kids. It's something you can relate to, and it's also it's like catechism, right? Right. When you're watching these movies, it, it can be if you understand these concepts. Well, and also his coronation, at the same time that he received his coronation, what does he do? He bends his knee to the four hobbits. I was curious what your what your metaphor was going to be for that, because I thought that was very interesting. I, I do, too. It's kind of like Jesus washing the feet or yes, something. Yes, that's exactly know? right. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with that. And it's essentially like when the king turns to you and says, no, no, I'm lifting you up. Right. You know, it's like it, it shows Jesus as the mediator. Well, it, it, you know, exactly, because ultimately, if somebody is a saint... Right, it's Christ within them that has brought them to that place of sainthood, yeah. and so if they're honor, if he's honoring them, he's honoring them for the 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 heroism that they represent. You know, Frodo's also you could say a Christ figure. He carries the burden of evil, uh, desiring to rid the world of evil by ta- carrying the ring, and they also have these childlike virtues of purity, simplicity, love, joy, and so the they're men- some of the most fun, <laughs> right, right, in the movies, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, it's a big contrast where the man- mankind. The, the race of men in Tolkien, they're all associated with pursuing worldly power and glory. And something that greater than all of that is being is represented by the four hobbits. And it's being honored in that moment when Aragorn and all the people bend their knees to those four. It's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah. So, yeah. so in uh, in this solemnity, when you're when you're at mass, you're going to hear uh, this year, you're going to hear these readings. Uh, and the the second reading of St. Paul to the Colossians is, I mean, it encapsulates all this. Imagine this being written by Tolkien. It wasn't, right? <laughs> it wasn't. It's divinely inspired, written by St. Paul. Brothers and sisters, let us give thanks to the Father who has made you fit to share in the inheritance of the Holy Ones in light. He delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him were created all things in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he himself might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile all things for him, making peace by the blood of his cross through him, whether those on earth or those in heaven. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.